0: Just when you thought it was safe to go on to iTunes, this is Next Level Guy, the only website that makes self-development as fun as going to the movies. It's
1: time to take the red pill and escape the Matrix. What's happening guys, it's time for another episode of the Next Level Guys show podcast with your favourite tutor, Ian dawson Mackay. Next Level Guys, the go-to men's interview, interest and improvement website where I quiz the experts to find out the hacks, tips, methods and protocols that you can implement in your own life to take it to the next level and live happier, healthier, wealthier, sexier and so much more. Today's guest is Jay Keller. Jay is an American IFBB professional bodybuilder. He's a four-time Mr. Olympia winner and one of the most successful bodybuilders of all time. He competed in a legendary battle against Ronnie Coleman at what many consider the golden era of bodybuilding. He's regularly seen at the top industry events as well as been featured in muscular development magazines. Since he's been retired from competing he's built an incredibly successful supplement training accessories and online coaching business. In this interview we discuss his story, his training methodologies, his mindset, how he bounced back to win the title after coming second, his top tips for new listeners and more experienced um, competitors too, and so much more. By listening to how Jay built his physique, you may learn how to build the life you want. And now, let's get to the interview. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm a massive fan, but for anybody that's been living under a rock, you know, maybe doesn't know who you are, how would you describe who you are, you know, why you're so well known?
0: You know what, I'm... I'm I'm um, one of the, uh, I believe, you know, obviously Mr. Olympia winners, which kind of puts us in an elite class, right? But if you look up the word bodybuilding, there's a few apparent names. I mean, Schwarzenegger being the main one, but uh, in the modern day era, I would consider myself, um, you know, to be one of the, one of the, probably the greatest rivalry of all time. Um, with the underdog status is myself, right? So, you know, that usually is what kind of builds someone's career and character. And people admire a lot as someone that perseveres through many obstacles, no matter what the circumstance is. And, you know, I'm a guy that had a very, uh, you know, not necessarily a tough upbringing, but I was not classified as someone that would just go straight to the top. I mean, I finished second to last in my first Mr. Olympia. And then, you know, within two two years was almost winning. And then I eventually won after being second. And that second place can be a curse sometime to many people. I was able to break that tradition. You know, the only guy to ever lose the title, come back and win it uh, in history, you know, I, the next year. And then, uh, you know, being retired, I think that I've been able to stay relevant crossing over from magazines to social media and continuing to inspire people to believe in themselves and overcome anything to become uh, what they want to become.
1: Because that's what I love about your stuff is there's been this evolution, you know, you've never kind of stayed still or rested on your laurels, you know, you've created your own like supplement line you've got your Jay Cutler television series on YouTube, you know, you've got so much going, you never seem to be resting, you're always training, you're keeping going, you know, compared to like some of these other guys. So you mentioned there about your upbringing, now you've you kind of had a similar upbringing to me where, you know, you worked with your parents and you kind of helped out on the weekends and stuff, but you actually worked full time with them and then went to school Do you think that was working on your brother's construction business? Was that what encouraged your love of lifting heavy and pushing yourself? Or was that what was there? It definitely uh, helped with
0: my physique because I started doing uh, concrete form work at the age of 11. So by the time I was 14, I was very well developed. And although I didn't really get into weight training any serious until I was 18, I did toy with weights a little bit in the weight room in high school from – You know 15 to 16 17 but actually joined the gym when i was eight on my 18th birthday so just as i turned 18 and that's when i started my journey towards being a bodybuilder but i always had a great physique Uh, i learned a lot by reading books uh, about bodybuilding and fitness i had a love for it since i was 12 i was influenced by uh, my sister's boyfriend who she ended up marrying Uh, so basically my brother-in-law he was avid in, into lifting weights, and he used to have bodybuilding books, and I saw an old Muscle Builder magazine with Chris Dickerson on the cover when he won the Olympia back in, like, 81 or 2, or somewhere around there, whenever he won the Mr. Olympia. Uh, it was it was crazy because I said, man, this is what I want to look like, but I think that definitely influenced me, but more importantly, it gave me the work ethic. I think you you learn a lot about yourself uh through your early years and you know i was taught always you need to work extremely hard and to be honest i was very uh i i kind of had a lot of um like hatred towards my family at the time because i felt like i was the only kid that was working after school weekends and on school vacations while everyone else was living their lives you know i was doing chores and i was working in the concrete so not only did I have to work doing the concrete, but I'd come home, I had a lawn mowing job of, like, my dad had, like, four properties at the time, so I literally had to take one day off from doing the concrete just in order to keep up with my lawn work in the in the summertime. Then, of course, we had chores around. We had a small kind of farm where, you know, where I was chopping wood or, you know, taking care of animals or, you know, doing, like, odds and ends, you know, burning brush or whatever it is. So... I would spend a lot of the weekend days doing that kind of stuff, and uh, I was very limited on doing a lot of social activities. So, in general, I mean, that kind of lifestyle is really what I explained <laughs> through my bodybuilding career is very, very antisocial, uh, dedicated. Where there, there was no like, you know, most people say, oh man, I'm just I'm I got a text from a friend the other day. He's like, no, I'm just losing motivation." You didn't have that that ability because you you couldn't take your foot off the pedal, uh, being from a young age and having a family business. There were no set hours. We didn't have restrictions. Oh, you can only work someone 40 hours a week or eight hours a day. Shoot, we worked 14, 16-hour days a lot of times. I remember working doing concrete under headlights at night uh, because, listen, that's how our family made money. And that taught me a lot of dedication. I can attribute, I think, still think I was one of the hardest working guys in the sport of professional bodybuilding for many years. And that outweighs genetics sometimes because listen, our genetic limitations are only so much. And I just feel that I granted, I did have great genetics to put on size, but there were a lot of guys that had better genes than me that just didn't have the heart and the capacity to handle the workload it took to be the best of the best.
1: Because it's quite crazy to think, you know, like you—you were one of the most successful bodybuilders of all time, but to think that, you know, it was a chance, you know, me, you know, a chance interaction with, with somebody with a bodybuilding magazine that kind of inspired you, and then, you know, the—it's strange, that it—it's when it's your family, all the kind of rules about jobs and working hard and all that come out, and you just think, no, it's—it's it's for the family. I've got to do it. Originally, you wanted to be a corrections officer. Do you think it had something to do with you wanting to be in control and rules and regulations, rather than the kind of where other people were dictating for you when you were growing up? You know, what was the appeal of being a corrections officer? Was it? I think,
0: I think for me, it was just kind of what people did in my area, and uh, you know, I kind of looked at corrections, and I wanted to be a police officer. I actually wanted to look into. Investigating crimes. I mean, I used to watch a lot of TV shows, and I'm not gonna lie. I was inspired by Chips, which is the, the motorcycle show where the police oh. are in California. So, like, my dream was to move to California and ride a motorcycle as a cop. I was I was into motorcycles and ATVs and snowmobiles and stuff when I was younger. So, my dream was actually moved out of Massachusetts. I grew up there and move to the west coast it's everyone's dream to you know you see californians you see the sun all the time the convertible tops and i mean as i got into bodybuilding you know i eventually wanted to be a bodybuilder and it's exactly what happened joe eater moved me out there when i was 25 to basically become a professional bodybuilder in california and, and i took advantage of that but I, I just wanted to do something that I felt, okay, this is my calling, and I, it seemed to be something in, in the crime uh, field because I loved watching those shows, and I was always intrigued by, by, by investigations, and
1: I read a lot of,
0: uh, like, mystery books when I was growing up and uh, in unsolvable crimes and that kind of stuff, so I was intrigued by it, and that's kind of where I was heading and as I got into college and started training, uh, weight training is when I really caught the bug of bodybuilding as a full-time profession. Once I won the T Nationals, I knew I had something special because I was told, listen, you're above the average and, you know, you really could make a career of this. And that's when I really was influenced to push towards that and, and the rest is kind of history.
1: Because, I mean, it's, you've certainly got that investigative sort of attitude towards it, you know, like testing and going back to the drawing board after, you know, you came second and you what do I need to do to fix this, to get back into first? You know, you can see that of your personality that you like to really push, you know, and pushing and find out what you can do to change. But Why do you think you've been so successful compared to many other lifters? You know, how did you go from being great to be world class, what did you think? What do you think it is about your you and your lifting, or your approach to it, your mindset that's really kind of surpassed you compared to other people? I think uh,
0: number one, I'm stubborn, so I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> uh, I, I hate to lose. You know, I was competitive, but uh, I worked with. You know, I had a good friend who was a mentor to me. Um, growing up, he was an older business guy, so he, I had a business sense around me that, you know, I always thought, not, listen, I can only limit my body so much, so let's at least market myself, and you know, I was kind of taught that early, if you're going to do it, you might as well you know, build your mail order and, and have your merchandising around it, and you know, just try to build a rapport with the with the fan base, and once you have a whole team together, a squad, you really can excel because you've got a lot of great minds behind you that, you know, will always give you that assistance. And I think, you know, that kind of developed my fan base, but, you know, Chris Asito, who was my nutritionist from six months in from when I started training, you know, he was kind of the big push for me in believing that I could be great because remember he worked with some of the best guys even back then, you know, his wife at the time was second place in the Miss Olympia. So for him in my corner and doing all my nutrition and and kind of giving me the right guidance without charging me at the time, that was my advantage. You know, before, I was the only one he was really working with for a long time. Uh, You know, he worked with Mike Francois a little bit. I mean, he worked with Paul DeMeo, some of the big names in bodybuilding. But I remember going to Mr. Olympia contests and Knight of Champions and all these other ones. And realistically, I was the only one he was working with at that time. So I had a lot of attention from him, and he really gave me that push. And, you know, I improved so much every month, and I was always seeing improvements. But I trained my ass off, and I trained um, under his tutelage of the nutrition is number one. And I used to put my diets on my refrigerator, and I would follow those diets to a T, and I I wouldn't even eat off. Like if he said to eat chicken for meal four, that's what I ate. If he, ate, he said egg whites for meal six, that's what I ate. I didn't, I didn't substitute. I never got sick of the food. I was very robotic in what I did because I realized it was for function rather than for what my taste or what I like to do. Did I love it? Not necessarily, but I learned to love it because it just became routine for me. And I think that's how you have to go about your bodybuilding career. And listen, it spilled over to life itself like, my expectations, like, you know, I'll, I'll fly every week, and I get delayed, and this and that, and other people are, are hooing and hiring in the airports, like, I can't believe this flight's delayed, and I just sit back, and they're like, man, every, you're so relaxed, and I said, yeah, because there's nothing you can do about it, I was taught a lot of patience, because, as we know, bodybuilding is not a sprint, it's more of a marathon, it's slow and steady, you know, it always wins the race that way, so I think, you know, I had a lot of patience, I was stubborn. I had a lot of the right guidance. But more importantly, I just had the ability to build a physique. And I had the structure. I had the wide shoulder girth, you know. And I had the great legs. I had the, you know, tight midsection. And, you know, that's that's really the advantage I had because I was able to be wide. And then once I added all the mass, I was able to get conditioned too. But that condition came from the the, the training and the consistency with you know any kind of cardio I had to do um, and obviously my sleep patterns too.
1: So would you say that's the the benefit that Chris gave you was he took the raw components that you had and sort of taught you the technical specifications to you know really dial down the diet get the training up or was it just having somebody that could show you and keep you on side and avoid distractions you know, was it, do you think everybody needs that kind of mentorship to kind of bring them through like a good coach?
0: Yeah, to be honest, because Chris didn't tell me, oh, you need to train your chest this way. Or, um, he just, you know, he basically, it was trial and error. And he, he saw the structure of my lifestyle and how dedicated I was. And I used to drive up to Maine, he lived about two hours from me. So I drive to my day off. You know, one day a week, I would train six days a week. So my one day off every week, I would drive to Maine just for him to take a look at me for five minutes, and then I would turn around and drive back. And he saw that dedication and the commitment. And I think you know, just having a positive reinforcement of okay, you're improving, and not and doing it the right way, and not pushing. You know, it's it's a drug thing or. You know, it really was the food because, to be honest, I was a broke bodybuilder at the time. I wasn't making a lot of money. I was working jobs that allowed me to focus on the gym, which I was spending two hours a day in the gym from 8 to 10 at night. And I would go to school during the day, and then I would, you know, I would work a job usually at night um, where I, you know, and get off in the morning time and then go to school. So, I mean, my sleep patterns were affected, but at the same time, I was just so dedicated on the food and the training aspect. And then obviously having his eyes on me, it was, it was just very beneficial for me. And I just had a very, very structured lifestyle. I wasn't the average 18, 19, 20, 21 year old kid where, you know, I was out partying or, or doing a lot of the things that those younger generation people do uh, I stayed low key, you know, I was in a relationship and I just, I ate, slept, and I trained, and I worked, and that was it, and I enjoyed it because I saw so much progress, and I knew that eventually it would pay off. I never imagined it would pay off like it has. Uh, My career is way, way, way beyond any expectations, uh, including the Mr. Olympia titles, uh, the financial status, and also the um, you know, the respectability that I've earned in this business. It's all a shock to me because I was just a kid with a dream. And I said from the beginning, no matter how successful I get, I'll always treat people like I started treating people from day one. And I think that goes a long way. I never thought I was any better than anyone else. And I know anyone can lose on any certain days and anyone can get injured on any certain days. And, you know, we all God has a plan for all of us. And and my plan, fortunately, worked. You know, it was something I loved to do. I was my hobby that turned into a career, and now it continues beyond my expectations ever of being retired. I was so scared to retire, thinking, okay, what's next for me? But I've really found a great groove, and I still love training. So my physique isn't far off from what I actually was. I mean, I'm still in great shape. Uh, my body is responding very, very well. I have no no aches and pains or joint pains or injuries or nothing. Nothing is holding me back from doing what I do on a daily basis, and I'm very blessed for that.
1: Because th- that's the, the beautiful side of it. It's like I can see that you be the same person if you didn't have that level of success. You'd still love lifting. You'd still love going to the gym and helping others and, You know, you seem to be this genuine, lovely guy that's so warm and friendly on his videos. And, you know, you get some people, that, as soon as they become famous, they become complete arseholes. You know, and you just think, like, you've just got that personality that I think you'd be the same person, with or without the success. And what you've done has obviously worked superbly. Is that the kind of things that you think guys are going wrong, like who are going to the gym four or five times a day? You know, these guys who work out every five minutes and they're not getting anywhere. Where do you think they're going wrong? You know, where do you think your average gym guy goes wrong compared to how you did it? Um,
0: I just don't think they train. I just think that people bring cell phones in the gym, and that's the biggest problem. Uh, Too many distractions. Uh, too much social media, too much, too many, no gym etiquette, uh, with people. Uh, everything's become commercialized. I just think that people lost what's, what real training really is, you know? Uh, I mean, I see it every day. Uh, I'm, I'm victim of, I mean, listen, I don't train like I used to train. I bring my phone in the gym, you know, I shoot content. Uh, but I see people in between their sets reading their phones and, or trying to, get to their playlist of music it's it's just like you know the, the average society thinks they need they need, absolutely need a pre-workout in order to go to the gym and train uh people just get spoiled man i mean i mean look at look at the equipment advances you know everything's becoming more selectorized pieces instead of free weights i mean they don't even have machine they have machines now you don't have to take a pin out and change the weight stacks anymore it's levers you know so Things advance. It's just uh, it's American society just to, to become lazier and lazier, uh, and that spills over to all over the world, you know. Uh, but the heart and soul of of training is definitely uh, dissipated. That's
1: all. So if you compared it to you know back in the days when you were at Gold's Gym, you know you were training with Chris and things like that. What would you do to change it? You know, would because you see there's like acres of books of now. You know, there's like millions of trees have been cut down and everything. Books have been written about every tiny little aspect of lifting and getting better. You know, is there universal concepts that you think if people just stuck to these particular factors of training, everybody would get better? You know, is it like progressive overload, eating right, turning up three times a week, you know, what would you, you know, how would you get them to cap the crap and actually here's your five rules or three rules and you must follow these to succeed?
0: I mean, everyone's going to have their own way and they're going to say, okay, I want to go to this extreme or, you know, this level. Right. But uh, I would just keep it very simple. I think people have now with the internet, you know, you talk about all these training theories, you know, like progressive overload and, you know, you talk about giant sets, and you talk about all these different theories that have kind of been around forever, but listen, we're volume trainers. As a bodybuilder, I, I followed what Arnold did back in the day. Of course, they used to train for three, four hours, which I think is way too much, but you know, science shows. I mean, listen, you can spend an hour, people are shocked when I tell them, yeah, I, I became the best body in the world training an hour a day. That's pretty much the truth, you know? I mean, if I went to the gym, I would take me 30 minutes to train a body part most occasions, Problem is, I would do two body parts maybe at once if it was quads and hamstrings or biceps and triceps. I mean, but chest, shoulders, that kind of stuff. I mean, it took no time at all. Back was the only one that might take an hour because it was just so many angles or whatever else. But I still think the 10 to 12 repetition range, the 45 to 60 seconds rest factor would be that would be the main thing is like if you took an average person That goes to the gym. If I pick ten guys, if you said, "Okay, I'll give you five guys and I'll give you five guys where I live," and I took those people and I brought them to the gym, I said, "You're going to train Jay Cutler style." The forty-five to sixty seconds between each set and the speed that we train would destroy them. You know why I know this? Because everyone that came to train with me since beginning of time, because it never changed, they couldn't keep up with the pace because there's not enough rest in their For them to catch their breath and be able to perform and that's the one thing i noticed is that people love to jerk around between sets or talk to people or you know they use the gym as a social atmosphere so that's why like people go to kuwait and they they've been training and they're making all this progress because there's no there's no real bull you know bull crap going on there um the guys are training hard but i still think you follow those basic theories of the volume training you do Six or seven different movements per per body. Three sets. So you're doing a mat, like twenty sets per body part. You rest forty-five to sixty seconds. You don't worry about weight so much, but focus on getting a good burn at at eight to twelve repetitions. You're gonna progress as long as you're getting out of the gym. You're eating correctly. And that's another thing is people go to the gym and then they don't eat. So what's the what's the whole point? It's like trying to run a Ferrari with on crap gasoline. You're just gonna get not get the performance out of it. So it all goes in 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 junction with everything. I think people just say, "Well, you know, you're to the extreme. I don't have. I can do a quarter of that, and I'm, you know." But that's not necessarily true. I mean, everyone's genetics, like I said, are different. So I would just, you know, try to keep people from the distractions and focus them on 45 to 60 seconds rest between each set with a lot of volume, and that's really what's going to propel people's success
1: in so, the gym. So what sort of thing? Should they be focusing then on, you know, when they're lifting, is it a case of trying to feel the weight through the full range of motion? Or is it like, you know, they should be counting a certain time up and a certain time down? Yeah, How do you make sure they've got that mind-muscle connection? Because you really seem to have that down to a T. you, you, you-, you got
0: you to gotta watch the time under tension. Uh, you know, it should explode out of the bottom but controlled. Um, Your negatives should always be controlled. Uh, But I think, you know, there's no, you know, people, people have this, oh, let's, let's hold and contract type theories. And, but I really think the explosive, um, you know, rep after rep, that's really what you've got to kind of do. Um, But you have to have that mind and muscle connection. And how you do that is you have to sometimes close your eyes and you have to be able to what see that muscle actually working and and that comes with advancement of training that's not going to happen the first month or two um and you choose exercises most importantly that you feel if you don't feel a movement don't do it unless you just have a problem feeling everything i mean i have those kind of you know people come up to me and say well i don't feel anything when i work out i get no pump or anything something's wrong you know either you're not eating enough you're not sleeping enough or you're just not training correctly because it just goes to prove, it's like a guy, put a guy, a normal guy, and put him, <clears throat> you know, on his feet to run a marathon with a guy that runs 26 miles. You know, you're, you're going to, your legs are going to get beat, tired, full of lactic acid, where the marathon runner is going to do it with ease. So when you say, oh, I can't feel the muscle work, that's just, you're not doing enough. And you're not doing it correctly, because no matter what, everyone's muscle gives out under contraction. There's, there's just a certain point we all reach. So... Uh, I just think people are just very misinformed, uh, misinstructed on how really to train. And that's why I put out the constant free content on YouTube and I explain and I show. And it's funny because even with my content, people will still be like, well, you're doing the exercise wrong because there's other, like, body momentum or I'm not going out to full. Like people think you bench press you got to lock your elbows out there are people don't know what real training is because they sometimes follow a textbook that someone didn't really know what they're talking about because everyone's technique is going to look different because their structure is going to be different so you know i i can't i can't adjust someone's training that says well i feel it because there's a lot of things that on you know on video you would look at and say well doesn't look like you're moving it like when i do a dip it seems like i'm barely moving my body but i'm getting full contraction out of my triceps so i'm careful on how i adjust people uh when it comes to training if they feel something i try not to uh change what they're doing if you understand
1: i love the fact that you know you get these internet trolls who are telling you that you're not doing it right, the guy that's won, you know, like Mr. Olympia so many times. It's frightening that a guy can write a book about a tiny movement and focus on that, say, for four years, and it might be that's the most efficient way to do it, but, you know, when you're training multiple parts with different weights and all that, it's going to be different. You know, your body composition is going to be different, so the structure is going to be set up in a different way. And I love how somebody's got the cheek to tell you, to tell you, Ronnie Coleman, and all these kind of guys, what works and what doesn't work when you've the proof is in the pudding. So, how do you, you know, has your setup evolved at all? You know, has it changed in any way at all, or are you just doing the same thing that you did at the very start, albeit with a slightly less intensity? I, I'm training back to. Kind of how I
0: originally started. And obviously I got to advance as I got bigger. But I've always stuck to the same thing. I was taught early on. Like I said, I I watched, you know, the magazines. I watched uh, the days of Arnold. Uh, I, I actually read a book called Beyond Built by Bob Harris. And that was the instructional book that kind of taught me how to train. I bought that book at 16 years old. And I learned the basic movements from Bob in that book and then i started reading magazines and that's how i learned and then of course video started coming out and you see video or youtube uh which i think is way more informational these days to be able to watch how these guys train uh but i'm not really savvy or my thoughts on this new current all these different movements that people are doing and I think the band training is great for some people like that don't have weights, but I just don't, I don't see any benefit of going in the gym and wrapping bands around equipment at this point to bring more attention. If you can't get it from just weight training in general, like it's not, it's not, doesn't have to be that difficult that you have time to set up bands and all this other stuff. I think it's great because people get bored, but that's just, that's just to stay away from boredom more than anything. I mean, I just don't, I mean, it might work for strength athletes, but that's not my profession. I'm a professional bodybuilder. So if you want to come to me and you say, how do I build the best physique? I can show you how to do it with barbells and dumbbells and, and nothing else. Uh, because I was taught that because of my travel schedule. And I would train at the best gyms and the worst gyms on the planet. So I had to make do with what I could do. And I carried bands with me. And if I didn't get a workout in, I'd do you know, a 15 minute band workout in my hotel room, but it was very, very limited. I just don't feel like today's society, they just don't have the work ethic to, to really just get in the gym and train hard and, and put their mind to muscle connection. And, you know, they really want to try to do these advanced things. And I just, I don't believe in that. You know, I'm just, it's just different from whatever, what I did, because I know what it took to get there. And, uh, you know, but everyone has their own pattern, so I don't knock it. I just, if someone took, if I want to take someone under my wing, it would be, no, it would, I'd say, okay, let's simplify everything. We're going to go in and we're going to weight train with free weights to, to start, get that core built up. And then, of course, add some machine work and cables and all those other things, but they're not absolute necessary.
1: Cause that's the thing, isn't its is everybody comes out with, no, you have to use this machine. You have to use fifty different specialization moves for the, your biceps and your back, and you can't possibly just do like, like you were saying, ten to twelve reps. You know, it's. I think people have overcomplicated this now, and there's a, there's so much gaff out there that people go way OTT, and it's like you said, as you stuck with the basics, your concepts. And, you know, the success is there. So was there any sort of small changes that you can think of that gave you, like, a massive improvement? Or is it just going consistent? You know, was there anything you did?
0: No, it was consistent and just time. I mean, I can't ever say this. You know, people always ask me, and it's a very common thing that's out there, is what's the secret, right? There is no secret. Consistency and dedication and... Um, you know, finding trial and error, what works best for you. But it pretty much, like I said, it stayed the same way through my whole career. So there's not really, there's no secret or, or shortcut or anything. I mean, it's just time, time in the gym and time, you know, eating the meals and time of the sleep patterns and everything consistently. There was no, no anything I can pinpoint other than I was a volume trainer that liked to sleep And rest a lot naps and I ate seven meals a day and I did that day in day out with no days off so that's really what what my career comes down to
1: so back in that period you know how did you rest and recover you know because was it just eating just making sure you had like a full diet each time you got your meals you got your rest because that seems a phenomenal workload to the average person you know what what did you learn about rest and recuperation during that period that sort of really helped was it like taking naps and stuff uh,
0: well the naps for sure after the training sessions but remember on my days off I did a lot of tissue work I mean I would do six hours six hours a, a, a week of tissue like fascia stretching and whatever so I could get the expansions more and more out of my muscles so Uh, ART, active release technique. I did neuromuscular therapy. Uh, I did rolfing. I did everything to really make sure that I was getting the full benefit of recovery, uh, you know, repairing the muscle tissue and also allowing the fascia to be flexible so more blood flow can get in there and the pump can be, be bigger and bigger each time. And so my days off weren't necessarily rest days where I just sat around and did nothing. I was still working, but at the same time, I was flying to see different therapists I mean I'd fly over the country and this was before I won the Mr. Olympia that's how dedicated I was to my craft I mentioned you know of course this was in the beginning when I was broke right but as I started to make money I reinvested that money and I was able to build a better body that's the one thing about me is you know I never looked at oh I started winning money getting paid on a contract and I took total advantage It allowed me to just sit around and do nothing and spend more time with my friends I was thinking, okay, how can I improve or where can I sink this money so my body gets better? And that's really what I worked work, work to my advantage. Yes, I was very highly paid um, and I was very successful in, in the in the prize money arena, but I have reinvested that money and that reinvestment now is paying off dividends for my future and also you know, being 40, 45, six years retired now, my body feels absolutely spectacular. I mean, I feel like I could do it all over again. To say, to say that, I'm not going to. I have no plans to ever compete again, but I, my body is just A-plus right now and, and firing on all cylinders. And, you know, I still, like I said, get up and look forward to training every day. I mean, a lot of these guys, I understand why they don't, because they're in pain when they go in the gym. But when you're talking to someone like me, there's zero pain um in zero restrictions to the lifestyle that that I grew up doing.
1: Yeah, cause, I mean from your recent stuff you look in phenomenal shape, you know, you're you're not limping, you're not carrying injuries like some of these guys are. I mean, it's, it it shows what you did was smart that you looked for ways to make sure that you were looking after your body as much as you were breaking it down and building the muscle you were looking for ways to recuperate and come back stronger each time, and it definitely worked. So you had a period there of, like, the golden era bodybuilding when it was you versus Ronnie Coleman back and forth. You know, how did you find that period? And, you know, when you lost and and you came second to Ronnie, what did you change in 2000, you know, when you came back and won the title again? Because you came back and you know... it was. you seemed more intense, you seemed more focused, was it just a change in mindset that you kind of just re, refocused yourself, or was that a change that you made that made you <coughs> that come back so strong?
0: Um, you know what, I just, I think I just, uh, I learned a few different things, and I learned a lot about myself winning and losing, and I think, you know, it sucked not having the title, and I realized that I still, my body still had the potential, so you know, I switched coaches at that time, and I learned a couple different diet techniques. But at the same time, it was just a condition thing. You know, I, I had to learn how to get in better shape, and I think I did more cardio, and and that's when I kind of you know learned more about my body. But uh, I was hungry. You know, I was hungry after losing, and you know, I just wanted to win the title back. There's it, it, not much more else. I mean, there wasn't anything drastically different. I did. I worked hard every year, but. I might have done a little more cardio, and I just ate a little different. Um, I actually ate more for that 2009 comeback, you know, uh, than I ever ate. But and I came in a lot, you know, tighter. I came in 10 pounds lighter than normal, which I think was just a better look for my body. That's all. So the condition was there.
1: Well, now would be a perfect time for a quick break. I just wanted to give you a quick update on my affiliate schemes. If you go to www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates, that's www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates, or click affiliate deals in the blue ribbon at the top of the web page, or if you go to one of the podcast posts, you'll find a link to that as well. Um, In my affiliates page, there's a lot of special offers, listener-exclusive deals and discount codes available. There really is something there for everybody. It doesn't matter if you're buying for yourself, a partner, a special occasion, an office, pool, um, secret sauna, all those sorts of things. There really are some amazing things there. There's some interesting products by some amazing companies. You really will find anything and everything there. There's companies like Onit, Amazon, Me, MeUndies, Barbell Apparel, Dollar Shave Club, There's companies that help with dating, there's supporting equipment, there's tactical gear, there's outdoor equipment, there's gadgets and so much more. If you're looking to get some inspiration, you could go to Barbell Apparel and find their super comfy, super flexible jeans. If you use the the discount code NEXTLEVELGUY, that's all one word, NEXTLEVELGUY, you'll get 10% off um, your purchases through those amazing jeans. If you go to onit.com and want to try their Cognitive Enhancers or their Shroom Tech, there really is an amazing selection of products there. If you use the code NEXLEVELGUY, that's Guy, all one word, you'll also receive 10% off your purchase of supplements um, and other eligible products. Really, There really is something there for everybody. There's stuff there that you might never have seen before. There's companies that you need to try out. If you're needing to get better with women for example you have to check out The Natural by RSD Max. Um, I'm always updating it. I'm always adding new things so keep checking it. Add it to your bookmarks. I don't get any information on you or your purchase. All I get is a small commission from the company as a thank you for sending you to shop with them. I use that money then to develop the podcast. You know, To get better mics, to get better music and that sort of thing. You don't get charged anything extra, all you do is get to take advantage of some great deals and some awesome opportunities. You help me make this podcast better by using those links, but if you have five minutes to spare, I would love it if you could go onto iTunes or your other podcast platforms and leave a rating or even better review. And now let's get back to the interview with Jay. Thanks for listening. So how did you look at when you came in second? You know, because it's to some people it would have crushed them, but it like you said, it made you hungry, it made you kind of motivated to really push and to, you know, to get your title back. So how, what, how did you use that as a positive? Like, because everybody sees rejection as a bad thing, but you seem to have used it to drive you forward and just, you know, smash another goal. Did you just kind of reset and then focus again, or did it take a while for you to kind of readjust and get back into it? No, you know, because,
0: you know, I was always kind of, you know, kind of takes the pressure off when you're not the champion, you know, so but nothing really changed for me. Um, I know people think, oh, you know, you made a big improvement from one year to the next, but really wasn't. It was just a conditioning factor. So it was just, you know, I had time where I was contemplating retiring at the time because I was just working on a lot of business things. And, you know, the one good thing about bodybuilding is I never really did it for the money. I did it for the love of it, you know, and, and that made it a lot easier. Granted, it, it wasn't so bad when I did make a lot of money doing it. But uh, I was just – I knew I still had a lot of gas in the tank, and I had good people around me, and I just said, you know what? Um, I'm just going to go back and do what I did, and, and it will be a different result. I knew I could come back and be stronger. I, I've been – great at certain times in my career and other times I've been subpar so um, it was just an off year you know and and I wasn't being lazy or anything like that or complacent or I was just doing what I normally did and the, the thing is is business was a huge part of my career and I wasn't going to cut back on business because that's where you know I was building for these days when I re- to retired I mean I'm I'm earning more money from professional bodybuilding than I ever did. Even when I was winning Mr. Olympia and I feel my popularity is more than ever now. And that's because I, I always had my mindset on the business rather than, Oh, if I I can win this thing 10 times, I mean, take Ronnie Coleman out of the equation and it puts me as the all time winner of the Mr. Olympia, uh, with, you know, all the runner ups to him. I mean, I probably would have held the record at this point, but, you know, that's 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 just not even worth talking about because, you know, I competed with the greatest and it made me greater and it may not have made me as great if I didn't have someone like a Ronnie in front of my face every year to try to conquer. Um, because I know once Ronnie retired, man, it wasn't exciting for me. I mean, I was competing against guys like Phil Heath, Kai Green, all these guys, but these guys weren't Ronnie Coleman. They weren't, you know, they... They, they know these guys couldn't hold anything to ronnie's physique uh nowadays so you know the way i look at it is you know what i was second to the greatest guy ever and you know i was hungry to win it but first second third whatever i was still the most popular guy i was still respected and and to be honest i just enjoyed being a bodybuilder and i was blessed to be able to get paid to do it on a daily basis and I, I still feel I'm blessed to be who I am and, and be able to be an influence now. And I'm not shooting for titles, but, you know, I'm a fan of it. I'm a fan of these guys. I'm a fan of Sean Roden and Dexter Jackson and Roly Winkler. And, you know, of course, now Brandon Curry coming up. He has a possibility to win it this year. Uh, but, you know, I am the ba- ambassador this year of the Mr. Olympia contest. So this goes to show my mark is left. My legacy is there implanted in the Mr. Olympia. I'm honored. So that puts me in a really good state of mind. And, you know, I'm just going to continue to do what I do.
1: Because I love that passion and intensity. You know, you, you can feel that you actually enjoy doing it for the sake of doing it. You know, if there if it was just lifting, you would just do it because you enjoy it. But do you think the, the fact now that there's all this money and sponsorship and that all these other kind of other focuses that it's changed bodybuilding in the modern era that people are now that kind of thingied on their sponsorship their supplements and stuff like that they're not as dedicated as you guys were back then where you just did it for the pure love and competition
0: i did it for the pure love and it's changed now everyone wants to look good on instagram uh people train for instagram now but back then we trained for bodybuilding you know
1: so how would you change like the way they judge it or how would you you know would you change the way your the competitions are run or they're graded in any particular way or is it just the the focus of the guys that's kind of changed in a way um i really wouldn't change i mean listen it's still all the same i mean it's it's
0: it's a judgmental thing uh you know i promote shows my my own and uh you know, not everyone's going to agree on the judging, but I feel the judges are pretty uh, familiar with what the rules and regulations are. Uh, and I don't feel that, you know, I don't feel there's as many favorites as people think there are. I think it, a lot of these shows, these these judges know what they're looking for. And, and uh, I you know, it's it's just the way that the business is run. I mean, I really wouldn't come in and, and try to revamp the thing because it is bodybuilding. It's never going to be mainstream. Uh, why would you want it to be? I mean, it's, it's a, it's a kind of a cult business. Um, it's not the norm, but you know, it is what it is. And, you know, we have all had great success at it. So I'll never knock what really built me. Uh, you just hear too many people complain, but you know, people aren't, they're always going to need something to complain about.
1: So, how have you found that transition you know from competitor to ambassador to coach to you know becoming a businessman and stuff like that you know how how has it changed? Have you enjoyed it or did you struggle at first coming away from the bright lights to kind of building your own brand? Uh,
0: no I don't miss I don't miss competing one bit. Uh, there's not a day that goes through that I don't, that I think and miss competing that's for sure i was ready to get out when i got out uh i would have loved to win and retired but that's not how it always goes and you know the story lines are sometimes you know those aren't the projected storylines but uh I, I don't miss it i love what i do i'm very very positive as anyone that follows me on social media or on youtube or you know sees me out at events i'm, I'm just a happy guy at this point and You know, I'm living my life and enjoying the outside things that I didn't get to enjoy for the 25 years I was a competitor uh, and just enjoying real life. So no regrets and, you know, everything's good in my world.
1: Because I love how positive you are on your social media, how you just, everything's a joy and, you know, all your videos, you're just, you're so chatty and it's not forced. It's, you can tell you're just being yourself. So how did, you know, getting married and, of oh, like everything that came along now you know like since since you were that era of just lifting how has that changed you as a person you know how has it changed your outlook on life was that the kind of motivation to loosen up a bit and see things differently and get into coaching and stuff like that you know how have you adapted since you become famous um
0: you know what uh I take it in stride, I don't look at myself as being famous, Um, you know, I I still like people, I try to like avoid anyone kind of addressing me in that famous atmosphere or whatever, Um, I'm just an average guy that just loves what I do, right, so, uh, I don't know, it's a hard question, I don't don't really, uh, the question I really can't answer, I mean, there's no adaption of anything. I mean, from day one, I was the, the best guy in my gym. You know, I was the youngest guy competing on the circuit. I was, I was always popular and uh, you know, I, I became Mr. Olympia, but I was already well-respected prior to that uh, being second to Ronnie and whatever else I was flying all over the planet. And you know, it hasn't slowed down one bit. I mean, I'm still on social media, very, very popular when I walk on the street I'm more popular than I've ever been now but it's just a respect thing and I, I appreciate all the support but you know I'm just trying to help people you know be their absolute best that's all really I can give at this point
1: and did like any like because you go out there in a tiny you know pair of posing trunks and you know you, you show off your entire physique and you're judged by guy, you know, like a coaching panel and such small muscle changes compared to the next guy, you know, did that ever have any sort of self-esteem issues? How, how, like people who are building up for their first competition, for example, how would you make sure that they've got the right mindset? You know, what advice would you give to somebody who's getting into bodybuilding or going to their first competition that they're not going to let online trolls hurt them they're going to be focused and just enjoy it and just do it for the love um
0: i really don't know the answer to that because i just tell people stay off the internet so i mean honestly you're you're asking me questions that like you're talking negative things i don't i don't deal with negative things i if people called me with any kind of negativity when i was getting ready for shows i'd just hang up on them so (laughs) like that's just like to that, to me, that's child stuff, and I, that's that's why I don't coach a lot of people getting ready for bodybuilding shows because I care less about what anyone thinks, and I don't read negative comments. And if I do, I just I tell the people to go f themselves, and that's it. You can see if you follow my channel on my YouTube, I get on there all the time, and I tell people don't follow the channel. You know, if if there's negative stuff, and obviously I don't read them all, but if I breeze through and I see something, I. I have no problem telling anyone to go F off. It has no I have no no issue with that because people just look for ways to, to get attention and unfortunately most of the world will just never get that attention because they have no talent whatsoever. So it's easy to put people down but it's it's a lot harder to give them compliments. So I would just t- you know tell people like just follow my ways and and don't even respond back to a lot of this stuff Um, I'm not going to get into verbal wars with people I'm just going to tell them to F off don't follow the channel and that's it I'm not going to tell them whether I believe in what they say or not you know don't feed the trolls right
1: because I think that's part of like really why you've been so successful is you're so focused you don't you know go for tit for tat like some of the other guys do you kind of just go yeah just whatever don't bother if you know if you're not if you don't want help go do something else and that's the you can feel that kind of yeah I'm not
0: going go to social, I'm not going to go to social media and complain about things um, you know I did a I did a thing on gym etiquette the other day and it, it all it honestly stemmed from a situation I ran into where I went in the gym and I you know everything was kind of taken and you know this guy's in there and he's like using a a bench and going back and forth and leaving his stuff there and and gone for five minutes between sets but saying he's using it. I just took it anyway. And then he came over to say, well, I'm using that. I said, well, not anymore. And, you know, these people just, come on. You you let people work in. I understand if someone's sweating or whatever, wipe the bench. I mean, I watch people walk away and his head sweat on, on the bench. And it's just the world has just gotten... I, honestly, if I was the gym owner, I would throw people out in their head if I saw that kind of stuff. I honestly would, and that's why I don't own a gym, because I just cannot stand disrespect of people, and and no, and gym etiquette in that sense, you know. And it's getting to the point now. I mean, I dealt with it in Vegas the other day. A guy, you know, he had his his water jug sitting. And then he was walking over doing another machine and the same thing. And I said, is someone using this? And he says, yeah, I am. I said, well, how do you, how do you think so? He goes, well, I'm going from here to here. I said, well, now you're not. So how's that? And I mean, what are the people going to say? But, you know, you can't hog up the whole gym, especially when you're in a big commercial gym. You know, I never trained like that where I bounced from one thing to the next back and forth. Even when I was competing at the top level, I never hogged up two machines in order to you know to fulfill my workout i mean it's just ridiculous and i just think the gym etiquette's just wrong and you know so i did a video on uh, on youtube and if you have you know if you haven't seen it, it's on my channel and i it was one of our most commented videos because people are like finally you know someone speaks out about this because we deal with this in our gym all the time and it makes you want to train at home to be honest i mean that's why a lot of times I just choose a time People are like, Oh, I never see you in here. I said, Yeah, I go when it's less quiet, you know, when it's uh, when it's less busy is more quiet it's more quiet time. So sometimes it's later at night,
1: you know. I think that goes down to like, you know, men's health and these kind of sites where they give these kind of really sort of psycho intense programs where it's use this machine and superset it with this machine, but you know they don't think about how a gym's set up, how much you're using of like different equipment and blocking other people. And it's like you said, you can't be really using two bits of equipment efficiently or politely. And it's great that people like you actually come out and speak about these things because then it actually makes gym owners kind of go, "Well, if somebody at that levels mentioning it, we should do something about it." So you mentioned earlier mm-hmm. about your diet. Um, how how did that change back when you came in second? You said you ate more. If you're eating sort of seven meals a day, was it just the quality you were eating? You know, what was your general philosophy on diet at that point?
0: Um, I was just trying to keep my body fuller. So what I did is I was doing more cardiovascular, but instead of starving myself and performing that cardio, I would actually eat more, which allowed me to do the cardio, which, you know, it just conditions your body. It just gives you a different look when you do more cardio, but you still have to feed yourself so you don't lose that muscle fullness. That's the most important thing. So I was eating more. My metabolism was faster because obviously the cardio was twice a day and for 45 minute, minutes at a time I was doing step mill work. I never had done that in my career before. So I was able to eat more and I was able to utilize the food deeper. And obviously the physique paid off.
1: So, if we took your, you know, the concepts that you mentioned about how to train, how would you set up somebody's diet? How would you tell them to eat? You know, would they be if they wanted to put muscle on? Um, would it be seven meals a day, certain number of protein? Like, how would how say if it was me, for example? What would you tell me the rules of a, my diet for the next six weeks to be to make a, the biggest improvement? I
0: would, um, I would just do a few just small uh benchmarks of the diet basically eat every two and a half hours whether you are hungry or not hungry you would have the biggest highest calorie dense meals would be your breakfast a meal and before and after training so those three meals would be the most important those would be the abundance of protein and carbohydrates in those meals depending on your body composition will be protein but Uh, Depending on what your body looks like, you know, we'd have to look at the carbohydrate intake um, and limit it down, but I would do six meals a day because that's about the average that a person can get in with eating and everything else and their sleep patterns. Six meals is pretty sufficient. I really have forced to get seven in there. Um, So that's, uh, that's pretty much how it would be.
1: And would that be like a steak (laughs) and a couple of potatoes? You know, what kind of size are we talking? I mean, it would
0: depend on your body type. I mean, I can't, on on an interview, I could never say, well, you need this or that. I mean, listen, some people would eat fish, some people would eat chicken, some people eat turkey breast, they'd eat egg whites. You know, number one, you have to eat something that you prefer. Some people hate steak, they hate chicken, whatever. But as far as the amounts, God knows with with people's physiques. You'd have to look at the physiques and, and see what the body composition is and like meal timings or whatever else you know i mean i can't just i can tell you i mean i have egg whites for breakfast and a couple whole eggs and oatmeal and then the rest of my meals are chicken and rice i might eat red meat once a day when i was training for a show i'd eat five meals of fish and you know carbohydrates and and whatever so it, it changes all the time depending on what your body composition is or what the
1: ultimate goal is and did you have a particular favorite kind of fish
0: um any white fish i hated them all anyway but i ate it because it got me lean (laughs)
1: because i I come from the highlands and we've got some amazing kind of fish and you know you can taste the difference when it's fresh to the the actual quality of the meal and that was something i always struggled with was eating healthy you know i was i would like i do jujitsu just now and i'm started lifting again and it's I, I burn and do like amazing stuff in the gym and all that and then i come away and i eat crap and that always screws me over so it's something i definitely want to do and that's why i'm so keen to get to speak to you because you've got an amazing line of products you've achieved such a success in the bodybuilding world but you're still humble you're still passionate and you're still so helpful and positive about everything is there something about you that you'd feel you would like to talk about more or you know is there something that people don't know about you that you know is there like a certain questions you get fed up answering How, you know have you got to a point where you've a- answered the question so many times does it ever get boring in a sense or do you enjoy lifting and talking about it that much i
0: not really i enjoy lifting i like talking about it i mean there's no there's no real stupid questions i mean people are, you know people ask like Do I eat my protein or my carbohydrates first when I eat my meals? Or, you know, when should I drink, you know, the one gallon of water or two gallons of water a day? I mean, to drink between meals, during meals, like, you know, there's certain questions that, I mean, even I've asked myself sometimes and wondered, uh, you know, just like you asked, well, what what would someone eat, right? Is red meat that bad for you? You know, the studies show that red meat's not actually, depending on your blood type and whatever else. I mean, you really, you know, people can get away with eating red meat four times a day and get lean on it. Other people can't, you know, I I just tend to stay away from a lot of red meat at this point just because of my age. Uh, And honestly, I'm not going to lie, when I eat a lot of red meat, I get bigger and fuller and I don't want to be bigger and fuller. Like I get bigger muscle wise, not fat, like my muscles swell, it seems like when I eat more red meat. So I try to stay away from the red meat more because I don't want to be big, believe it or not. Um, I'm not going to the gym with the mindset of oh I want to get bigger arms or bigger legs. I'm actually working to try to shrink my body but still look proportionate. So uh, for me, there's no real what you see is what you get, right? So I don't have anything that people haven't learned about me. I'm, I'm actually an introvert. Uh, I don't I don't really like the limelight. Um, if you said what's my ideal, like vacation or whatever it's at being at home with my dogs and and just chilling out and not not ha- being around big crowds and being around loud a loud atmosphere i don't want to go to an island and and sit on the beach or i mean i sit in my backyard i just came out of my pool you know 40 minutes ago and this is ideal for me i mean i have to go to work this afternoon um and spend time at my office, but I actually go in later in the afternoon because I do all my shipping at nine at night. So my days start in the morning, very, very early at home. Uh, How can you vacation from a vacation is what I tell people. Every day of my life is like a vacation. I own my own business. I make my own hours. I train what I want. I eat what I want. I have, you know, the best surroundings around me. I've created this atmosphere for myself. You're living in Vegas. I chose to live here. Uh, and I have everything at my at my fingertips that I want in life. And I'm healthy and uh, I'm surrounded by good people. I choose who I have around me. And, uh, you know, I'm just very, very blessed. That's all.
1: And I put it on my media. <laughs> Would you say that's what you're most proud of? You know, because you've done some amazing things, and you know, you've accomplished things that people can only dream about. But is that what you're most proud of—the way that you've set up your life, that you can now live life on your own terms?
0: I don't know if I'm proud of it. Uh, I'm just happy. You know what I mean? I don't look at it as being like, "Oh, I'm, I'm proud of this or what this achievement." I don't really run around with, "Hey, look at me, what I have," right? But. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy that i'm able to live happy let's
1: put it that way Cuz you come across as very warm and friendly and very fulfilled you know you're very happy and it's good to see because a lot of people struggle once they you know they stop competing and stuff like that and you just seem to have gone from strength to strength and that's why i'm so keen to carry on because you achieve so much when you won the competitions but then you've not rested, you've kind of just kept going and expanded and developed and evolved, and I think that's great for guys to see that there is life after X or Y or the career, or whatever you know. So, I, we're coming up to our time limit. I cannot thank you enough for this. It's been an absolute honor because you know I love looking at the guys like you when I was powerlifting, etc. But when people listen to this, what do you want them to take from it? What do you want them as like a go home message? to remember most from this um
0: you know what i just want people to understand like no matter what your success is you still have to stay grounded um and anything is achievable you know i mean listen like i said i on the competitive side like i was second to last in my first olympia i was told i'd never be as good as i ever was i told i was told i'd never go pro i was told i'd never win a pro show and i was told i'd never win the mr olympia, and i did all those um and I, you know, listen, I lived a very rigid lifestyle, but the, the benefits of bodybuilding is still, still very healthy. Uh, if you do it the right way, there's there's awesome success at it. Um, and you can live very, very happy and comfortably. And you don't have to be in, you know, end up in a wheelchair or be damaged from, you know, pushing your body to certain extremes. But you have to know when to shut it down and not do it anymore. That's all. I, re- I think I retired early. I retired at 40. Could I have gone further? Yes. But was it necessary? No, because I used it as a stepping stone to move on to bigger and better things. And that doesn't mean putting a a financial number on those bigger and better things. It means doing things that benefit other people and and stop being so selfish yourself. And that's what builds a legacy. And that's what people respect in the end is what you can give um, as a gift, you know, not only to yourself, but to others. And I think that, you know, I just want to be remembered as a guy that's really was a pioneer and created a lot of opportunity and a lot of the the guideline to be successful in this business. And I think I'll, I've achieved that and will continue to achieve that. And, you know, the work's not over yet. I'm not even close to being done. And I appreciate all the fans out there and I hope they enjoyed it.
1: I, you know, I don't think I could put it to that. It's very well put. And you've certainly are being that pioneer that's motivating other people and pushing them on. And I, I I'm going to be, love to see where you take it and how you're going to develop it because I think you've you're only just getting started. But for people who want to find out more, you know, find your social media. You know, wh- where can they find it? How can they search it? Is it literally just at Jay Cutler or have you got a website, etc.? You know, this is a perfect time to promote everything.
0: Yeah, listen, um, JayCutler.com. Um, that's kind of the hub for a lot of things. You'll see Cutler Nutrition there. You'll see, uh, you know, cutlernutrition.com. You see cutlerathletics.com. Um, Jay Cutler, obviously, facebook Forex. That's my main Facebook page. Um, my Instagram at Jay Cutler, you know, at Cutler Athletics, at Cutler underscore nutrition. And then, of course, my Twitter uh, at Mr. O. Jay Cutler. My YouTube channel, Jay Cutler TV. Um, I'm everywhere. You search Jay Cutler, besides a quarterback, you'll find me. That's it for another week. Thanks for listening. Absorb it. Practice it. Use it. Until next time, keep trying to hit that next level in your life.